What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you your weekly look what's going on pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, when is uh, Jesus's King dropping? Because we were talking about Jesus last time. We're not Jesus. We we're talking about Yandi last time. Yeah, uh, immediately dated ourselves. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> what is the exact date? It's next. It's September, right? End of September. I think it's supposed to be like the uh, 20, 27th, Is that? Is that a Friday? Yeah, somewhat it sounds right. This is just according to a, a Kim tweet, no text, just an image. So we don't. It's not an official announcement as of yet. But I mean, let's let the date pass first. Who knows? Exciting stuff. It was a full track list, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it, w- it looked like a full track list, but as we know with Kanye, uh, albums, track lists that are dropped before the actual album is dropped are just all theoretical. A living document. Yes, living piece of art. Uh, and we are also a living piece of art, so hit that subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod to find all the ways to listen to the pod. And uh, yeah, give us that five-star rating and review. Tell us how lovely our artwork is. Dave, is Tool... Fear Inoculum, their first album in 13 years. Are they a work of art? There's something, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, so Tool is, is uh, I think, unlike any other artist we've really covered here on Nostalgia Pod because they are uh, they're probably considered metal. Prog metal, I think, would be the, the more precise definition of them. Correct. And they, they're going on, on their third decade of being a band. So they really rose to prominence in the 90s with a slew of albums that got really, really great reviews. And uh, they garnered pretty widespread uh, fandom for a metal band. I mean, you, during that time, you had like Metallica was enormous and they remain enormous. But uh, Tool has really, I think, grown in in terms of popularity because I think for me, their lead singers vocals are a lot more accessible than most metal bands. Lead vocalists can be Um, Maynard James Keenan has maybe the best voice for any metal band I can ever remember listening to. And I think that allows more people to be into tools music and their songs feel more, uh, I think a bit more artistic than I think you would think of with, classic metal bands but 13 years since their last album did fear inoculum grab you how did you feel about it yeah so i mean i'm not a i mean to be honest i was never really familiar with tool as a big rock act just because like i never really was exposed to them by my parents or anything and obviously they went away for a while so they just weren't really on the mind uh but yeah, I think what you said about the the vocals stood out to me. They kind of they had like a really like chanty vibe mm-hmm. on Fear Inoculum, which I thought actually like sounded pretty cool. And uh, for the most part, uh, the album is you know pretty pretty heavy, but not like super heavy metal like you said, which I actually like. And uh, for the most part, I I liked what I heard, even if this album ultimately is bogged down by just really repetitive and indulgent moments because as anyone who's listened to it knows every song minus an interlude is over 10 minutes long. So thus there's there's these really long winded outros or guitar solos or drum solos, whatever it might be. And I think structurally there's a lot of these songs just kind of lose themselves. But it's like, I probably was, uh, really into some of the songs at the start that I just would check out because there's six minutes left and I'm not learning anything new on the song, you know? So, ah, 
I thought it sounded, it sounded, it sounded fine. It's so, Dave, cool. you're saying that uh, these works of art should be more concise and less bloated and fatty. Well, I just don't think they use their length uh, uh, sufficiently. You yeah. know, there's another long album we'll talk about later that I enjoyed for its length. But uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, a song like uh, the title track on this, uh, Numa, the second second song, mm-hmm. really good. I think we just kind of like removed again some of these outros. Just been thinking what it was worked a little better, but. Well, I mean, what did you think? Are you, are you even a big tool tool head? <laughs> no, I, I'm not a big tool head. Um, they're they're pretty interesting, I, I think, be, for a couple of reasons. When you think about the these bands that play live, a lot of times you think about uh, the lead singer out in front and the band kind of surrounding them. But the way Tool, especially on their most recent tour, have gone about it is they usually play. Uh, basically in like a shadow like there will be like a light around them but you usually don't see the, their faces or, or them like that clearly uh, and I, I find that interesting that they kind of take this more artistic approach and they try to put the music out in front rather than anyone from the band really uh, taking lead I found this to be an interesting album for the fact of um, it is different and it is something that I would not usually check into, but I really enjoyed because even though the songs were long, a lot of times they felt like these like epic journeys in a sense, mm. but I did find them to be a, a bit too long at points and a bit just, uh, you know, when every single song is that long, it's, it can be hard to stay mentally into it. Um, because as you know, I like, I like shorter, more concise <laughs> art. Um, but I, I still, I still think there's a lot to like on this. They're obviously amazing musicians, um, uh, again, Keenan is an amazing singer and I was really impressed with that, uh, with, with the vocals on this, um, especially on probably my three favorite tracks, Fear Inoculum, Numa, and, uh, I, I guess it's Tempest with a seven at the front. So seven, seven is, I don't know. Tempest, uh, yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> but still, I, I, I think there's a lot to like on here and a lot of other people did too, cause this debuted at number one on the billboard top 200. Dave. What do you think was the last rock album to be number one on the Billboard Top 200? It was, it was last year, 2018. Last year. Shit. I don't know. I was gonna guess like Foo Fighters. That was 2017. You're um, you're on the you're in the right era, for sure. 1975. Do they count? <laughs> uh, actually, Gre- it was oh Dave. Greta Van Vliet. No, it was Dave Matthews. Their new ah. album, Come Tomorrow, came out last year. Got it. I didn't even yeah. know Dave Matthews dropped the album last year. Yeah, Tool uh, beat out Lana for this number one that week. 270,000 first week, 248 of which were pure album sales. Crazy. Very much rock fan base right there. Also, I thought it was interesting. Fear Inoculum, the title track, was the band's first Billboard Hot 100 chart entry since 2001. Long Great. ass time. And that's also the longest song in the charts history in the first ever over 10 minutes long how about that they're breaking all these records i had a friend who huge tool fan he went out to buy the album he likes to buy physical records uh like yes you mentioned him before and he couldn't find it anywhere on the the release date and i was like huh is this album really gonna gonna is it gonna do it and it did it did it man uh yeah it's uh i don't know 
it, they, they didn't have a bit of a gimmick with it where they had this huge package that came along with these hard albums themselves. So, and we talked a little bit about how these are steam the system a bit. Bundling. It is one of the first, uh, or the first rock album, I think, in a long time. I, I think it might have been since last year um, to chart that high without like a ticket sale attached right. to it. Right. So, exactly. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Um, Tool, well, you know, we already put one of their songs on the playlist. Check that out. Nostalgia Best of 2019. You mentioned Lana Del Rey, Dave, beat, beat out by Tool for number one. Uh, but Lana, I don't know. She's interesting, and I want to I want to review the album. And I also want to talk a little bit about her as a uh, a star in, in today's mm-hmm. culture. But did did you feel like this album should have been the number one ahead of Tool in terms of quality? I- I certainly liked it more, um, which surprised me because I haven't really liked any of her albums before. I think we briefly touched on her most recent album, Lust for Life, in 2017. Mm-hmm. By saying we, we didn't like it, we didn't really care for it, and we kind of move on quickly, right? And she's always been someone that I've been more interested in, I think, her, her, her persona, her celebrity, and we'll get to that more than her actual music, which I didn't think quite, you know, uh, warranted all the attention she got as a figure. But this uh, fifth major label album for her, Norman fucking Rockwell, definitely my favorite album she's released. And a lot of people are calling it her best that know her past work better than I. Uh, I liked it a lot. And I thought uh, I finally got the essence of like who she is as an artist for the first time, or maybe, maybe she just kind of distilled that into something more tangible this time around. Uh, so yeah, I, I was actually quite impressed with this one. What did you think about it? Uh, I thought they should have renamed the album to Jack fucking Antonoff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God damn everything he touches. I seem to just like, and the funny thing was I, I got through the album and I went, I was like, man, I gotta go see who produces this because I feel like Ansoff had to be on at least one of these tracks. And when I saw his name all throughout, I was like, oh, ten of thirteen, one song is a sublime cover, so we discount <laughs> that. Ten of thirteen songs he wrote and produced. Crazy, Jack Antonoff. This is right his, after he did the the Taylor Swift record. Man, the hottest producer in the game. Yeah, coming off Lover to this, and there's such different uh, types of albums and needed such different types of production and he just can't miss like it's it's crazy and just the little subtleties he does on this album i can't remember if it's on uh the first song norman fucking rockwell or the second one but there's one part where after the chorus and it's like i think the third or fourth time the chorus come around on the track like this little harp just plays for like five seconds and i was like Oh, that's like such a nice little touch that like added so much to that moment. Uh, and then I was just like, this guy really knows what he's doing in terms of making pop music in all different spheres. Uh, I've actually been going back and listening to Bleachers a lot recently because I've just been like really impressed with him. But um, yeah, overall, I found this to be by far my favorite listen to a Lana Del Rey album. Um, and uh, you know, I was thinking about what I usually really like about albums like this because it's it's not very energetic. Um, it's it kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit more distilled thing that, like the Arctic Monkeys were going for, where I kind of just imagine Lana sitting at a piano in a hotel lobby, like singing these like weird tunes, and I feel like she creates such an ambiance throughout this whole 
record, especially like you get to the third track of Venice Bitch, and it's this nine minute like yeah, I don't know, like epic lullaby psychedelic trip. I don't even know how to describe it really, but it's just a really amazing song, and I'm like, wow, I really just feel like I'm like in this where this headspace wherever she's trying to take us, and I was just right. really impressed with how she did that throughout. Yeah, what's always been interesting about her, you know, like the whole like. 50s, 60s Americana inspiration mm. that's been in her music the whole time. I think this time because it's it's a contemporary record, so it's uh, the observations are uh, it's more 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 wrought than in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it really worked. I think Jack's influence, I assume, is why the melodies on Norman Fucking Rockwell are just like more pronounced, despite the fact that it's still Lana's modest delivery. Uh, the beats are still pretty. Uh, you know, lo-fi, uh, uh, less pronounced, you know, mm-hmm. and like her past albums. But Jack, I think, just kind of got Lana just a little bit further into uh, making songs that I actually can like really like latch on to, as opposed to just kind of fade in and out the way I do a lot of her other past songs. Um, and Venice Bitch, yeah, that's a song where, again, like I, I could probably lose the last four minutes, which is kind of just a weird outro. But that first four and a half minutes is fucking really good. Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a strong, strong song overall. Um, and I felt like there weren't really many misses throughout this record. Um, you know, I do the doing time cover, I guess, is probably the the biggest miss for me. But only because I think, like, for myself as someone that in high school and college really like liked Sublime and was really into that, and like. A lot of the people in my life have really liked Sublime and mm-hmm. it feels almost like sacrilegious in a sense, but she does add her own spin to it and it's still a good cover. It just feels like wrong in a sense for, <laughs> for someone to be covering it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really liked uh, The Greatest, California. Um, I mean, hope is a dangerous thing for a woman to have. I felt like made a lot more sense at, with the record than uh, as a single. Back in January. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, the first song, I was like, banger. Starts off yeah. with uh, like, fuck about men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that that man child line like starts it off. You're just like, ooh, mm-hmm. god damn, she's got a sharp tongue on this. Um, and her writing on this is really, yeah. really fun throughout. On the greatest culture was lit. I had a ball, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sign off, bang bang, kiss kiss. Yeah, a lot a lot of lyrics liked on this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, as I was listening, you know, and I was like realizing I was liking it. I was like, "Has my have my taste has changed? Like, I, I've liked a lot of pop music the past few years. Am I, am I just different now? Yeah. Do I like Lana Del Rey this whole time?" I was like, "Oh no, no, it's just better. Just it just she's like leveled up. That's why I like it." <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, she's been so popular, uh, and I I didn't really get her popularity, but I feel like when you produce an album like this, it's easy to understand why people have liked her and they've obviously seen something in her music that maybe we haven't tapped into or been able to access. And I guess I wonder how, how do you see her within like, like the zeitgeist right now? Is she just like the queen of the, of the, the sads and the moody? Like what is she? Yeah, it's weird because her biggest, she only has one top 10 hit on billboard and that's the, uh, Oh, fuck, what's uh, Born to Die? Cedric, Cedric Cervais DJ remix of Summertime Sadness, not the original mm-hmm. version. Um, then you look at, on YouTube and like songs like Born to Die got like, you know, hundreds of millions of views and stuff. Mm-hmm. But so I think, I think some of these songs probably would have charted, uh, 
higher they came out now in the, in the current streaming landscape. But, you know, uh, Born to Die, that second album, that major label debut, is one of three female albums to spend 300 weeks on the Billboard 200 chart. So that's a long ass time, right? So more albums will get there. You just got to, that, that's a that's several years, right? You just got to get there. But it mm-hmm. speaks to, I think, her music and her fan base being pretty consistent. Yeah. And it's weird because ever since she like debuted, you know, at the turn of the decade, she got like a lot of shit, right? For like things she's like putting her foot in her mouth for like talking about feminism and like people going after her image and calling it fake and stuff, right? And it's like, we're doing all this about someone who, uh, you know, in, in our opinion, didn't make that great music in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But she was always really, really famous. And I guess like, I think like probably the end of Tumblr probably really helped her, uh, her, her fan base in the early days, you know, pre-stan culture we have today. But yeah, it's it's funny, you know, th- this year we got Ariana, Taylor, and Lana all dropping really distinct, really strong, and really different pop albums. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, yes, she technically only came in third with Melvin Fucking Rockwell, but still 104,000 first week for a kind of alt-pop album that's pretty uh, low energy. I mean, that says a lot. So I think, uh, I guess like as for like a second act for her career, uh, this is this is a great way to start it off. Yeah, shout she out to Cam enough. Yeah, she has such an interest interesting aesthetic, and I feel like that plays such a role into like her fan base. Because I th- I feel like there's something about like the way she plays on like the irony of Americana in a lot of senses mm-hmm. that uh, people really dig, and uh, I think that that kind of makes her the floor of her success pretty high. Um, and obviously, this just like created a much higher ceiling at least in my eyes for what she can be as an artist you mentioned those those three and i thought i read a report recently that adele is moving towards releasing music soon so it'd be pretty interesting if we get those four women right. dropping albums in a year it's pretty heavy hitters just missing beyonce from that really and probably lord so yeah yeah where, where's lord Antonoff, get her out there Let's yeah ja- jack's jack's gotta make time you know <laughs> yeah, right. i'll get to the session soon gotta wait a little bit go back to australia <laughs> so the the interesting thing is going to be if uh Antonoff produces this Haim record that should be coming out pretty soon so right. i feel like if he worked with taylor worked with lord and Haim kind of runs in that group too like feels mm-hmm. like a sure thing and that will that that could be really interesting sounds likely to me you know i actually just saw this today uh Ariana, Miley Cyrus, and Lana are dropping a song called Angel from the upcoming Charlie's Angels movie soundtrack this mm-hmm. Friday. So that's uh, that's got some star power. Yeah, for real. So. Bang Bang 2.0 for Ariana. We'll see. <laughs> uh, speaking of Bang Bang, IDK with this song Porno, dude. Let's <laughs> let's talk about some Bang Bang. Uh, no, I, I I was really impressed with this idk record um i believe the title is is he real it is and is is he for real i mean mm-hmm. i'd never even really been tuned into him too much and uh, I, I can't make if this is if i'm just impressed because i hadn't heard him before or if this is par for the course for idk uh yeah he's really interesting because he signed the warner music but he's like not really famous or well known at all um and last year for XXL, Trippy Red skipped his freestyle after being selected. Like, you know, just left and didn't didn't shoot one. So mm-hmm. IDK took 
that chance and <clears throat> uploaded a video called Trippy Red's Freestyle when it was him doing like a freestyle and like going after people for not having their bars and stuff like that. And I think there was a bit of a mixed response to that. People, you know, calling him out for clout Jason and shit like that. But what everyone was missing who didn't know about him was that IDK is really fucking talented. Like he's a just an impressive rapper. Mm-hmm. And I think on this this debut album, you get a lot of what we had on his uh past mixtape, uh he was very bad, where he is a bit of a or I was very bad. He 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 uh he kind of has like a broad skill set. I think we got that on this, right? Like like there's some trap bangers on this album. There's some more crossover songs, uh, maybe even some R and B singing at times. Mm-hmm. And most people can't do all of that together. I think maybe the issue with this album is that I don't know if any of that's super stand out enough to justify having that much variety on a project. Cause like it, it isn't that focused. Like he'll, he's touching on race and society on some of this album. Mm-hmm. And then it's rapping about like fucking hoes a few tracks before, you know? So I don't know if like, like thematically it's like grand aspirations he was putting on the album, you know, I mean, literally mm-hmm. like the cover he's grabbing like a goat. Okay. It goes, <laughs> right? I mean, it's pretty obvious symbolism, but um, even if it, it's kind of uh, jumbled, uh, the talent is pretty obvious. And there's a little bunch of songs that just sound really good on their own. So um, I'm hoping this gets a, uh, just more eyes on him just because he's definitely one of those one of the more under under seen rappers we have right now yeah, and even though i think in term uh you made a good point in terms of the focus of the album and touching on all these different topics the album flows together really well as a cohesive sound um the way that the the tracks transition together i thought was really impressive and it kind of just flows really really well especially in the beginning when the songs are shorter uh there's a lot that are like under two minutes uh in the beginning and right. really just seem to kind of jump from one song to the next especially like that middle 24 to lily to porno are just like really really uh well well produced and just like sound awesome um especially those that like deep bass on 24 it's just like you really start like getting into um, it um, yep. yeah um yeah, and porno is so ridiculous, and then all of a sudden Pusha T shows up, and you're like, "What?" Like, yeah. <laughs> propels the song to another level. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed, and it, it for someone that I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I don't know if this is gonna be the album that pushed him to the next level, but I think it'll start to garner him more attention. He really, I think, uh, balls out on this, and yeah, I, I wrote down like five or six songs. I was like, mm-hmm. oh these are really, really solid tracks. And for one that has only like 14 songs, like pretty good for yeah. sure. Yeah. It, it's a short, it's a short record too. Um, despite a lot of tracks. Like you said, a lot of them are short and the Lily that's produced by Frank Dukes. Uh, that's pretty high profile. And December that features Burna boy, the most famous and hottest of all the, uh, Afro, uh, beat guys right now. Uh, the no cable features GLC. Kanye's old old friend, you know. There's, there's a lot a lot of people on here, and it's funny. You look at the um, the writing credits, you know, Lil Wayne, Black Thought, uh, some of that's interpolations and stuff. But uh, he takes from a lot. Thelonious Martin on here too. So I um, but yeah, I think Porno stood out to me just because you have Jid and Pusha after yeah. IDK, and IDK quit, acquits himself. Well, he's talented enough to hang with those dudes. 
and uh, you know, remember on uh, uh, the Powers Pleasant song "Please Forgive," where he's rapping with uh, Denzel Curry and Zilakami. He, he he's 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 talented enough to just to spit with the best of them, mm-hmm. but he's clearly been presenting himself as someone with uh, the aspirations to tackle more, uh, you know, more conscious stuff. And again, I don't think he's at like a Joey level, no. let alone a Kendrick level or anything yet. But uh, yeah, let's let's hope this. Uh, some of these songs hey that's weird though like do you want to get known for a song like porno or really some like hotter song when you're really more interested in the other stuff like i just don't actually know like what his main focus is because again it's, it's kind of over the place but maybe 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 we don't need one of those he's talented enough he can just make whatever kind of song he wants yeah it's funny because i wrote down um alone european skies michael wtf like um sounds good yeah, even like uh, on December when he starts to kind of go into this uh, reggae hip hop sound, it's like yep. uh, still yeah. quality. So uh, he seems pretty uh, pretty elastic in some sense, and I I think uh, maybe depending on what what catches that will kind of decide the the direction he wants to go to try to make more hits. But I hope he gets recognized for songs like European Skies over Porno. But we added Porno to the playlist. So, I mean, what does that say about us? You know. Um, <laughs> why don't we move on to Earth Gang now? This uh, Atlanta duo been on the scene since like 2010. Oh yeah, uh, Mirrorland, their newest album. <laughs> it's a great picture. <laughs> uh, Dave, tell me about Earth Gang and and why you wanted to review this album today. Well, we just heard them pretty recently on the Dreamville album. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're signed the Dreamville now. J Cole's label, of course, label imprint, and. They're on some of the standout tracks, Down Bad, Wells Fargo. And as you said, they've, uh, they've been around quite a long time. This is actually their first full-length album since 2015, um, which came out before they were signed to Dreamville. So it's been a while. Um, and then I mean, they released some like, trio VPs last year. And then obviously they purchased in the Dreamville uh, sessions for the, that, that label album. But since they signed the Dreamville, they haven't released anything that major and they actually said that nothing from the Revenge of the Dreamers three sessions made it onto Mirrorland. This is an album that they had previously announced way back in 2017. So they've been Johnny Venus and Dr. Dot, that's the two of them. They said they've been tinkering with this album and working on it this whole time. And I remember when they signed the Dreamville, uh, I believe it was early 2018, I think that happened. I was like, that's a great fit. Because those are guys that have been around a long time. They're really talented dudes, but they're not well known at all. Having someone like J. Cole, who clearly appreciates their artistry, sign them and give these guys a bigger platform is awesome. That's why artists start labels, and that's a great choice. And it's funny, uh, they used to be in this collective in Atlanta called Spillage Village. And in that was Loot, someone on Dreamville, and Jid, of course. Mm. So you figure that's how J. Cole realized, wait, these guys are all really smart, and they know other really smart and talented dudes. We're going to take all these guys, and I'm going to sign all of them. So at least that's how I see it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to review them just because obviously we haven't reviewed any of their, their past project yet. There hasn't been much to talk about. Um, but you hear really, uh, I think obviously when you listen to Mirrorland or anything else they've done is that they're just an energetic group, uh, duo that doesn't really sound like anybody else. They're, they're, uh, have, I think a wide range of music that they make, which is impressive because again, they hail from Atlanta and Atlanta which is you know, the epicenter of hip-hop right now, kind of like the, the middle straight line standard for hip-hop these days. But 
it's not actually turning out anything super original these days. Right? Everyone either sounds like Young Thug and Future or Migos, right? Everyone's just trying to ape one sound or the other. But Earth King, I think, clearly has their own lane. And that lane goes off in all these different directions. Yeah. It's really exciting. And I think Mirrorland is the perfect, I think, uh, you know, amalgamation of that idea. And really exciting record. I'm so I'm really another one I really hope people listen to just because uh, they clearly worked really hard to get to this point. Yeah, it was it was almost hard for me to uh, think like get a grasp of who they were listening to it just because no track really sounded the same until I think the second half of the album, which I really actually I think enjoyed more than the first half. Uh, once it hits uh, Tequila, which I thought was a really just a fun song in general. Um, then you get to songs like Fields or Blue Moon, and they really start working in this like horn, like these like yeah. I don't know trumpets or saxophones on this. And it's just like it's very unique, and it, it, but it starts to just sound I think uh, a little bit more cohesive, and I, I liked it a lot more. But the beginning was uh, still really really catchy, like La La Challenge. I was kind of like. You know, the, the ending of it, I was a little bit like, eh, but like the rest of the track, the first half I thought was really strong and just jumping from track to track. There's not really a bad one on here. I don't, I don't think necessarily, but there were, there weren't tracks that, uh, jumped out too, too much other than the ones I already mentioned. What about for you? Uh, I really like top down mm-hmm. track three. Really cool song chorus. I think really, um, uh, Matches well with the uh, the high energy that the duo brings in their verses on that, and it's really just you know really kind of a soulful sound to that. And you know, as you said, there's I think a lot of uh, of range uh, on this, and even if it focuses more towards the towards the end, uh, just the the wide range of like what they're bringing in to their Atlanta experience is really kind of what stood out to me. And it's an album that I really I want to revisit again, just because there's, there's a lot to kind of parse through on it. Um, but if you're, if you were an Earth Gang fan, I thought you have to be satisfied with this. And if you're not, I think it's a great jumping in point just because you, as you said, it might take you a second, but then you'll understand, I think what these guys are, are going for, which is cool. Cause again, they, they were in a collective back in the day with Jid and they don't sound anything like Jid at all. Mm-mm. And Jid also is so, man, doesn't sound really like Atlanta. So re- re- really exciting duo. So I, I really hope this, this, this does, does, does well for them. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I think that I want to I hear where they go next and see if they can uh, continue to be pushing boundaries and keep this really wide palette. Um, I want to move on to Post Malone, though. Someone that I don't think has as wide of a palette. Certainly uh, not. His music. Uh, I saw your tweet after you listened to the newest record from Mr. Post Malone titled Hollywood Bleeds. Hollywood's Bleeding. Hollywood's Bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hollywood's Bleeding. Uh, and, and, I, just I, get right into that, man. You're not qualified <laughs> enough to make an album with that title. <laughs> he does not have the, the lyrical dexterity to go into that. I'm sorry. And as soon as I found out that was the album title, I was like, this is already going to be a letdown. Like, this is, this is so stupid, so fake deep. And sure enough, that's exactly what we heard. God well, damn. I mean, I mean, first, shout out to, to uh, 
Saint Tropez because uh, got got a shout out on Lover, shout out on Hollywood's Bleeding the next weekend that that island, yep. you know, constantly just it's the name of a J winning. Cole song from a few years ago too. So, uh, yeah, but you you seem to be very put off by this Post Malone album. Yeah. It's just more of what you expect, but the problem is, baseline Post Malone is not that interesting. It just happens to be algorithmically really successful. <laughs> yeah, but Dave, haven't you seen the videos of him singing "Tongue Tied"? Yeah, I, I've seen the the Fleetwood Mac covers. You know, yeah. I've seen the, the Bud you, Light that he drinks. I'm a fan of that. You know, but I, I just don't think the nothing about like the production on this, the song structure on this, certainly the lyrical content on this is original, exciting. Or even that varied. Mm-hmm. It's really broad. What you expect from Post Malone. And honestly, good for him. For sticking to that because it fucking works for him. This album's going to sell over 500,000 copies first week. Yeah. He's a star for a reason. But that reason uh, doesn't appeal to me. So that's why I just don't like his music. It's something that really is that successful. And I remember track five on this new album. It's called A Thousand Bad Times. And... It's a song that I think really grasps the appeal that Post Malone has for a lot of people. This guy has an incredible ear for melody. That's really what he's good for. What he does not have uh, strength in is songwriting. And we already heard about the other 999 bad times. But hearing about the 1,000th one, I was like, you know what, man? I already, I already know this song. You already told me this. <laughs> and, you know, Drake, Drake is a guy that knows how to rehash a theme or two, but he at least makes it sound different. And it gives you off an illusion of it being something else. Post Malone does not even attempt that. It's the same thing over and over again. And doesn't doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, Post Malone makes me feel really old. Um, because he's obviously incredibly popular. And there's something people really love about him. And maybe it's what you said. Maybe it's just that he's really good with melody. And that's all people want. But... Uh, I also know that a lot of I see a lot of people using his lyrics for Instagram titles and people seem to really connect with some of these things. And I I feel like I just don't really get the appeal. I I don't find him to be a a really a very good artist, but I do have to say some of the songs grab you. And usually it's it's when he's working with other people for me, like. I mean, Sunflower is undeniable. It's a good song. Like, it's really fun to listen to. I thought it was great in. Um, it's also, a, in my opinion, a Sway Lee song. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is, but Post Malone's on it, so I'll, I'll give him the props. I like Staring at the Sun, and, and when I heard it, I was like, oh, this sounds a little different. Then when I saw it was with SZA, I was like, all right, that makes sense. This sounds like a SZA song. Um, when when the baby comes on Enemies, I'm like, yeah, like the energy comes on, like that. That's for sure. Before, but yeah, after Young Thug leaves on Goodbyes and. It's, three post Malone only songs to ride it out. It's I pretty much just stopped with. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. Track 17, the last one is wow, which is a song that came out back in December of last year. And that's a song where it's just post young posty doing his ratchet fun yeah. self, be, being a, being fun time, being, being a rich guy. Right. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I like hearing that. Yeah. So that's just energy. That, that, that's just low stakes, you know? But what I don't want to hear is the other 17 to 16 tracks where it's him telling me how sad he is and how 
tough it is being famous and having these groupies and doing all these drugs and fucking all these people without actually telling me anything about that. He's just telling me he's sad. Not telling me why. Not telling me how he got to that point. There's, there's no, no depth to anything. It's just base level neg- uh, uh, tough times, right? And I guess that's relatable to people. That's why he's successful. But he, he's just not deep at all. So it doesn't, I just don't find that great. The other thing about Sunflower. Sunflower came out 11 months ago. Why is that on this album? That was already on the Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. How many albums can a song be on? Got to keep it on those uh, Billboard charts, man. Give it that second life. I mean, uh, to, to, to that point, that song was in the top 10 for 32 weeks. One of only six songs to ever do that. Sunflower, massive track. Kind yeah. Crazy. How'd you feel about Die For Me? Future and Halsey joining post, Posty on this track. Halsey? With the bar, yeah, fifteen million off a of breakup note or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Great line, yeah. Uh, Excited I, for her album. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Um, Future and Post Malone, I feel like should collab all the time because they're very much uh, two sides of the same coin, you know. But I, I think that sounds that sounds pretty cool, you know. I think again, when Post Malone is, I think sticking to his absolute strengths, melody hooks. Um, you know, he's working with Frank Dukes and Louis Bell all the time. Those guys know what they're doing. This is going to sound good. Um, I think Die For Me is pretty cool. Even Enemies, as you said. I think Baby. at first I thought that was a weird, a weird fit for Post Malone, and it's definitely a way different energy. But when Post Malone's like, you know, na 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 enemies, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of gets in your ear. Yeah. So, yeah, I think as you said before, the, the features are pretty... Uh, pretty strong i think travis wasn't a knock your socks off travis feature but, but ozzy it, it was effective and fit with the song now ozzy osbourne that's unexpected my guy but i i, I respect that that that's an inspired I choice respect that. yeah shout out tywin <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh good for post malone getting ozzy t- to be on a track at this point and also sounding okay like acquitted himself decently <laughs> <laughs> which i mean if, if you gave me odds uh, and if i was going to enjoy a ozzy osbourne feature in 2019 i would have taken it. i would have gone against us <laughs> man uh yeah i don't really have too much else to say about this i mean other than uh, maybe post Malone will be one of those artists that i like more when he features on songs than when he does his own records i don't know but yeah. You know, I'm thinking about that. My favorite Post Malone songs, come think of it, are songs that have a guest on there. Congratulations. And Rockstar. And those do happen to be his two biggest songs. Nine and eight times platinum. Which is insane. But yeah, I think... And then Sway Lee. You know, that's another one. I think, yeah, when, when he's playing off someone else, I think it works really well. Or a song like Wow, where the the... The bar is lowered, and he's not aspiring to accomplish much with the song. It just kind of makes something fun, you know. I mean, did you like him on Fade off Pablo with Kanye? I thought he was kind of weird on that. I'm trying to think of the guest spots he's had recently. Yeah, I don't even recall him being on Fade. He's like in the back half of the song, huh? I, 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 a song would fade. You remember the sample more than anything else, right? Yeah, that, and that right. beat, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom. yeah, yeah. so good. Um, yeah, and, and and the music video with uh, T 
Tiana yeah. Taylor and of course Iman Shumpert. Yes, like sir. Um, yeah. Anything else on Post Malone? Um, it's this is gonna be what the shit. This is gonna be the second biggest week of the year. I forgot how much exactly Jonas Brothers had, um, but it's either second or third biggest first week sales of the year behind Taylor Swift. And I mean, shit, he was uh, the second most streamed artist on Spotify of 2018. Crazy year behind Drake. Right now, for monthly listeners, he's sixth. And now he's a new album coming out. So he's going to skyrocket the one, obviously. Um, and man, it is. We talked about this last year at Beer Bombs Bentley's, but it really is just wild how he truly is such a, a superstar. Yeah. Type of music he makes. You know, it's. Uh, Still a little perplexing to me, but similar to Lana, it's like he he has an appeal to people that maybe just we don't get, and I think he uh, he thrives off that. Doesn't matter the talent, just <laughs> him being him. So keep doing you, Posty. Uh, you're successful as fuck. Why don't we uh, tell people what we're going to be talking about next week, Dave? Well, next week we have two movies, one of which. Good reviews, Hustlers, and the other of which does not. The Goldfinch. I'm excited to talk about both of those. Uh, we'll be giving our Emmy predictions. Those are coming right around the corner, so that'll be fun. And then uh, a quartet of music albums. You already referenced the Halsey record, her third album, Hot Off Without Me. That should be interesting. Charlie XCX is dropping an album. I'm fucking really excited for that. Uh, JPEG Mafia is really releasing an album. We talked a lot about uh, Alt rappers today and he's another one of those and then another album like post Malone that we're definitely not excited for from the lumineers but we'll talk about it anyway do we have to <laughs> uh i'll see how much of that i can uh, i can stomach <laughs> oh anyways a lot of interesting stuff to talk about next week hit that so hit that subscribe on youtube go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and follow us any way you want to. Also, give us a five-star rating and review. And uh, yeah, leave us comments on, on YouTube. Tell us why or why you do not agree with our takes. We like hearing from you. Yeah.